indigenous cultures are all based on a circular way of looking at things. Everyone is bringing some value, some thought. Everyone has value and and things to to bring to the table. So we're a lot more accustomed to looking at the larger picture and things from all the different aspects. And that's just sort of a, a more natural ingrained cultural perspective. Welcome to SheEO.World, a podcast about redesigning the world. I'm your host, Vicki Saunders. In each episode, you'll hear from SheEO Venture founders, women who are working on the world's to-do list. These innovative business leaders are solving some of the major challenges of our times. Sit back and prepare to be inspired. Hi, my name is Patrice Musso. I am the owner, creator, founder, CEO, woman of many hats for Satya Organics, Inc., a a non-toxic, non-steroid, anti-inflammatory for skin issues like eczema. Thank you very much for joining us today, Patrice. I'm thrilled to have you here. Yes, thank you so much for asking me. I'm always happy to, to talk with CEO. Did you always want to be an entrepreneur and start the business that you started? Oh, God, no. <laughs> absolutely not. Because in my, in my perception of what an entrepreneur was, couldn't be farther from who I was, which was, you know, I, I saw a person who ran a business as somebody who's really interested in money and numbers and spreadsheets and suits and briefcases and, and frankly, being a man, probably. <laughs> it's never something that I ever considered. Um, my my sort of path has been in the other side of the brain, which was in journalism. And uh, I was a radio and uh, television host for many, many years. And that's what I thought I was going to be doing forever. But a couple of things happened. One, I discovered that the journalism wasn't really following the path that I had hoped it would be, which was to actually you know, be of service to society at large and kind of shape culture. And instead, I found that the direction of, of journalism has been not necessarily one that I want to be involved in. And then I had a baby and my baby got eczema when she was eight months old. I took her into the doctor and the doctor's only option to me was cortisone creams, steroid creams, topical creams on her, on her little body at eight months old. And being a journalist, I had actually seen stories about the detriments of using steroids in the long term. And I was like, there is no way I am putting this on my child. So I thought, you know, I've got the research skills. I'm up all night breastfeeding anyway. I can research. And uh, I looked at the academic studies that had been coming out in the last few years, the existing medical research. I looked at traditional medicine, you know, and triple checked everything the way that a good journalist does. And then took all that information and, and created something in my crock pot in my kitchen that cleared Esme's eczema up in two days. Oh my God. So what in the world made you think that you could go put a bunch of things in a crock pot and make a solution? <laughs> like, that's amazing. I don't know if I ever really thought, why not? I don't know. I, I, I well, I, I guess, you know, I, I really wasn't looking to make a business. I really wasn't looking to to go, okay, this is going to be something larger than just helping my own child. And the thing is, it helped my child so quickly, like in two days, and I had made a whole bloody crock pot. And I was like, <laughs> what am I going to do with all this stuff? <laughs> right? So yeah. I went to the mummy and baby Facebook group that I was a part of, which, you know, moms do. And I said, does anybody need any? And then immediately I had to make like three more crock pots because people were, were traveling like literally hours to come and buy some of this product for me because everybody needed it. 
it. Yeah. Wow. And so you did that how many years ago? Well, Esme is seven now. So I, I did my first crock pot when she was, you know, like eight months. So six years ago. And then actually I didn't even, um, I didn't even consider to, to make it a, a real business. I was just kind of doing it on the side and, and making, you know, just enough money to cover my costs um, originally until I met Madeline Shaw. Mm. Who is, as you know, of course, another she, well, the first one of the first CEO ventures. And I was doing a favor for a friend. I was interviewing her for a podcast, and we just hit it off. And we ended up talking. And she's very intuitive. And she said to me, "I don't know what it is." She said, "But uh, you need to come to this SVI, this Women's Entrepreneurship Conference, Social Venture Institute in Vancouver." and bring your product and you just need to come with me. And I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I went and I just saw all these women who were doing businesses that weren't based on all those things that I thought business was supposed to be. They were basing it on their passion and the purpose over profit. And they were more interested in creating things and businesses and a society with integrity and values and trying to actually make a difference in the world while still having healthy, successful businesses. So I thought, wow, these people are amazing. These women are amazing. I want to do this. And that's, that's how I started. That's incredible. And again, it starts with one woman encouraging another woman, which is yep. incredible. Being Yay. surrounded by radically generous people. Thank you, Madeline. And then also just this rethinking of what business can be, right? We have these stereotypes in our minds of because who are the stories that we talk about all the time? The 24-year-old in a hoodie you know, the dude with the suitcase uh, and the ability to create businesses on your own terms is, is still sort of a new thing. It's so powerful. One of the things as a journalist, I would always, you know, trying to find the reason behind things. And I always say to myself, look for the money because money is the great motivator for society for so many people. And business and money has the power to influence our entire society in a way that's just almost unrecognized how, how powerful having your own business can actually be in, in instituting change in the world at large. So talk to me, is eczema a big problem in the world? Absolutely. So, and it's actually a growing issue. The incidence of eczema has gone up about 60% in the last 10, 15 years for people. Wow. And we're talking about 20%. And that's, this is average. 20% of the world's population under eight at some point will suffer from eczema. And if you go to developed countries like North America, Pacific Rim, Europe, the incidence is actually even higher. It's also very prevalent for adults. And for a long time, the only real options out there were steroids or, and there's a lot of other products on the market that are also full of parabens and fragrance and you know things that are actually irritants for skin that large companies have been trying to pass off to people as a way to to deal with their with their eczema but if anything that's actually exacerbating the problem and they're just in it to make some profit so that's why i think that my company is so incredibly different is because we are five ingredients we are simple everything in it for the five ingredients are actually active anti-inflammatories and the only thing that isn't is the beeswax, which is there for moisture, texture, and protection. Everything has a purpose. 
and it's very, very clean and simple and certified organic and been reviewed and approved by Health Canada. So it is the best of the best on the market. And that's what I think people deserve as well. And that's what, you know, we want to provide. So you've been getting so much uh, energy coming your way. You're an Indigenous entrepreneur, which is incredible. Uh, and can you tell me a little bit about how you started to export? Like, how did that happen that you started to take your product outside of Canada? Yeah, it was an accident. So I was at a trade show called CHFA, which is a Canadian Health Food Association here in uh, Vancouver and, and one in Toronto as well. A trade commissioner was there. And she went by my booth and she said, oh, this is really cool. She's like, can I, can I have one of these? I'd really like to show it to some people. And I said, oh, sure, you know, go ahead. And I gave it to her and I didn't, I completely forgot about it. And then it turns out she was the trade commissioner for Hong Kong. And she had taken it into the consulate in Hong Kong and showed it to a bunch of distributors there. And they were all interested. And so I had to kind of, I, I'm, I was in a very fortunate position. I could kind of pick and choose and, and figure out what person that I wanted to, to make a partnership with. So I, I spent time asking questions and everything else. And then I ended up with uh, Suburba Farm, uh, Richard and Adelina Chen, and they are just fantastic. They have my back 100%. It's a great relationship. And now we're, we're launched in Hong Kong. At the, we had an event at the, at the consulate there, and, and we're looking at a bunch of stores just to start our Pacific Rim, uh, Asia-Pacific expansion. So from three crockpots in your kitchen to Hong Kong. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, in a, in a pretty short period of time, really. <laughs> Fast. And so how are you scaling? How are you figuring that out? I've come to the realization that I can't do it alone. I cannot do this alone. I have to keep, you know, telling myself that because I've been trying to do it alone for a long time. I think because it was sort of a, a question of, oh, well, why, you know, I have to do it alone. I have to do this to prove that I'm smart enough and, and hardworking enough and, and all those things to try and to do it alone. Um, but actually Mary Jane Ryan uh, at CEO reminded me that actually when you reach a certain level of success, you can't do it alone anymore. So what I'm doing now is I'm, you know, pulling in amazing people to come and help me. I have um, a retail expert, Kenny Venucci, and uh, my salesperson, Carol. Who, both of them have been in the industry forever. I'm bringing in uh, an operations person, um, and he was the former COO of Vega, which is a which is a really large brand here in Canada that was recently sold. His name is Mark Mark Wilson. He's amazing, and uh, just kind of figuring out how to structure the company in a way that is, uh, is going to allow for for rapid growth coming for, you know moving forward. It's so amazing that like, getting back to simplicity, we see this as a theme almost everywhere. All of the products and services and a lot of our systems and structures are just way too complex. And trying to simplify things down is really part of the answer to getting back to a more sustainable economy. How important is it that you have just five ingredients uh, in your product? And what is the feedback that you get from customers? Around? Well, I think people should be, it should be the right to know what they're putting on their bodies. When you, know, when you look at this laundry list of massive ingredients and chemicals and things you can't even pronounce and you know, half of them are carcinogens, like that should not be legal, let alone promoted to people, as, as, especially for something for, for children. So I think that it's our rights as consumers to know what we're putting on our skin 
if we're paying the money for it, we should, we should know that we're getting the best thing out there possible. Simplicity, you know what you're using. And that's, that's, what it, that's the way it should be. Competitors that you have in a space who have all these other kinds of ingredients in, I mean, what is the feedback you're getting from customers who try your product? Oh God, our reviews are just stellar. There's the occasional person that it doesn't work for because nothing works for everyone, steroids included. So I don't want to say, I hate it when people say the word miracle cream because there's no such thing as a miracle. <laughs> it's science. It works for most people. Um, I'd say 98% of the of people, but they are, people are so happy because they've been looking for something like this for so long that actually works and works quickly and works without, without, there's no side effects in my product at all. It's all actually made from things you could eat. Like it's so clean and so simple and so effective that I have people who are emailing me and calling me on a daily basis saying, oh my God, this has been a life changer for me. And then we need to tell, and they want to tell all their friends kind of thing. I've literally had people come up to me in tears because, you know, they've had eczema on their face and their hands and it, it was literally affecting their lives. And Satya has been the only thing that was actually able to help them. So that's like a huge motivator for me too, is knowing that I'm actually affecting change in people's lives, probably the way that I've been trying to do my whole life. And here with my business, I'm finally able to do that. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? It's like very gratifying when you have a business that um, has a strong purpose and is helping people and you get that feedback loop happening all the time. Like, I, uh, I don't know about you, but I find it First of all, it's the only thing I could do is to be an entrepreneur in the world, but it's also like the hardest thing every day <laughs> to get out of bed sometimes when you're really struggling. And so mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about how you deal with the tough times? What are some of your coping strategies? Other than laying on the floor in a puddle of tears. <laughs> well, yeah, besides that, thanks. <laughs> yeah, it totally happens, especially, and it happens, you know, whether you're having the tough times. And on the exterior, it looks like great times. Like literally the last time I was in that puddle of tears was when I was having crazy amounts of success and I didn't know how to handle it. And I didn't know where the money was going to come from to, to fund my inventory. And I was just like, somehow I felt like such a failure because even as the product was becoming successful, I was still, what I thought was messing it up. And the problem was, is that of course, that I didn't have the help that I needed. My coping strategy now is I've actually written a list um, on sticky notes <laughs> on the wall of people in my life that I can call. Oh, great I, idea. I need to reach out to people and just tell my story. And sometimes it's about listening to other people's stories too, because if you're so wrapped up in yourself, sometimes it just becomes like this feedback loop of heaviness and depression and, oh my God, what am I going to do? And sometimes just having that conversation with someone and hearing what's going on with them is enough to know that you're not alone and you're helping other people too by listening. And yeah, it's, it's reaching out to those people on my sticky notes and, and not, not just, you know, for the purpose of what, what can they like help me with. It's just about making that connection with people and not being alone. And uh, that's huge. Yeah, it's so interesting. I think this, uh, I have no idea why we get so cultured to be isolated, especially as women. And this thing of like not asking for help. Uh, I mean, it's a, having people's names on your wall is a brilliant idea because it's just that constant reminder. There are other people out there. All you have to do is ask. 
I hear a lot of things from female entrepreneurs, like they're wondering if they're doing things right. And as soon as you get into a relationship or conversation with someone else, you realize, oh my God, everyone else is kind of making it up too and trying to figure it out. There is no right answer. That's powerful. Yeah. And it's nice to visually be able to see like this group of people who have your back, whether you're on the phone with them or not, like, you know, that there's people out there that you can reach out to and you should because isolation is the killer. Absolutely. And so where do you want things to go with your business? What's your dream? My dream is that I really want to be a multi, multi multi-million multinational company. I want to bring this idea of clean products that actually work and actually help people (laughs) everywhere. Like we need to hold this entire industry up to account and go, look, you need to start making good products for people that don't harm them and actually help them and do what they say, do what you say they, they do. And if we can be sort of a role model for that, and then customers know that they can demand that sort of things, then hopefully we can actually start instituting change, uh, and not just for the products themselves, but the way that a company deals with their environmental responsibility, which is a big deal for Satya as well. So, you know, we really want to make change. And also on the environmental sustainability note, do you want to talk a little bit about your packaging and how you think of your whole business in terms of the environmental sustainability besides having just five simple ingredients that are all edible? Yeah. So what we we want to do is the idea behind Satya is to pursue truth is the the actual meaning behind the name Satya. And to me, my higher truth was to create a business, not only that helped people, but also did no harm does no harm to our customers, does no harm to the people who work with me, our suppliers, and in particular the environment. Because very often when you see, you know, products that are out there and are super cheap and you're buying them, somebody's paying the price somewhere, right? Whether it be a worker or the environment, the chemicals are being dumped into our waters or plastics or whatever. We're going to do this. We're going to find a way to make this as environmentally sustainable as possible. So we use glass jars. We use metal lids, we use recyclable paper, we use tins. We just recently launched, which is something I'm super excited about, is these 100% compostable pouches that you can buy online right now. It looks like plastic, but it's not. It's actually made from wood fiber and corn, non-GMO corn. And so you can order these and then you just squeeze them out into your own glass jar and then melt it and then you've got your satya at home. But it's no garbage. And it reduces the carbon footprint from shipping. And it's way cheaper for shipping too. So you go from $9 for the jar to $2 for the pouch. So it saves you money. And there's no garbage. We're also going into a partnership. We want to do a twist stick. And I was trying to find a good environmental option for that. The best I could do was recyclable plastic. So what we're doing is a partnership with a company called The Plastic Bank. We're going to be doing offsets for every piece of plastic that's ever used in the product. Um, Whenever you buy something, we're going to basically be paying someone in a developing country to harvest plastic out of their waterways so it doesn't get to the ocean. Then they take that plastic to a local depot with the exchange that to be recycled for medical care, educational tuition, or household items. So it deals with ocean plastic and poverty. So until we come up with a a really good environmental option for the stick, that's what we're going to continue to do. Uh, We're also carbon neutral with the Great Bear Rainforest. You know, whenever we try, whenever something new comes out that, that is a better option, we try and do 
doing a sampling program now. We've always never did, done samplings because those little pouches were super wasteful. Those little plastic pouches, you know, that they give away in, in stores. So we found an, a new solution to that that uses tin and paper. So that's really exciting. So that's coming out as well. So these are all things that are super important to us and that can be done. And any company that says, oh, it's too expensive or whatever, that's bullshit. Like yeah. you can find a solution. You can find a way that's better. And the more people that try and do it, the cheaper it becomes and the more that the system has to change to accommodate things like compostable packaging and uh, better recycling programs. This is so awesome. I mean, I think this is one of the things we keep seeing with our CEO ventures is that every single part of their business is intentionally thought through to be part of the circular economy. Mm-hmm. And to be solving the SDGs and, I mean, even move, trying to move away from recycling even, right? Like, how do we actually get to this circular economy, I think, is amazing. It's just really just a design issue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And as a female founder in charge of your own company, you can do things your own way. You don't have to follow anyone else's rules, right? Which is awesome. Yeah. Like, just think a little bit creatively and, and realize that there are no rules other than what you put on yourself. Me, I mean, like a large multinational might go, oh, well, we just put out a bunch of these, you know, sample sachets, these little pouches um, and give them away to customers in the store. But I'm like, we don't have to do that. Let's find a better solution. And that's what women do so well is we think creatively because we have to, you have to make it work. You are an indigenous entrepreneur. One of the things that's uh, very important to us at at CEO and I think important for the planet, if humans are actually going to survive is um, really understanding indigenous practices and how you and your cultures manage to survive on this planet a lot longer than it looks like the rest of us humans are doing with our practices, which are a nightmare. And so can you talk a little bit about what it means to you to be just like this incredible representative from your community and why this matters to you? One of the lessons the Indigenous community is actually going to be able to bring to business and is doing it now, and it's it's something I think that Western business is kind of catching up on, is this idea of instead of a hierarchy, you know, this pyramid of power, Indigenous cultures are all based on a circular way of looking at things. Everyone is bringing some value, some thought. Everyone has value and, and things to to bring to the table. So we're a lot more accustomed to looking at the larger picture and all things from all the different aspects. And that's just sort of a a more natural ingrained cultural perspective. You know, we hear the value that, that women bring and we hear value that children bring and elders and people of two, you know, two spirited people, like everybody is bringing something unique to the table. And I think more and more people are starting to catch on to that, that the more voices you have, the stronger your business is. So I think that's a uniquely Indigenous value that's coming forward. Also, and and this is sort of an extension of that, which is this idea about the environment. The environment is a part, is sitting at the table too, right? The environment is bringing the the raw materials (laughs) to our businesses. So we also have a responsibility to the environment as a partner. Yeah, I think this is something, this crazy uh, economic notion that we have that everything that doesn't fit in the economic model just becomes an externality. And so we just don't count it. So we really just don't count the true cost of what our goods and services, they're very extractive. And so I read this scary statistic recently, which is basically not one single sector on the planet is profitable if you actually add in the environmental cost. Right. Yes. Yeah. 
yeah. short-term gain for long-term loss. Yeah. Well, and, but the fact that we literally consider ourselves to, you know, oh, the environment is like this sort of external thing, as opposed to like, we cannot survive without ecosystem services. None of us can. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, unfortunately, now that is coming to pass in a very painful way with climate change uh, and what's happening in this world. So as you sort of step back and let's talk about Esme for a moment, you have this amazing daughter who, how is her <laughs> by the way? She's awesome. I've never had to use steroids on her. And now it's like bumps and bruises or if she gets like a scrape or a little, you know, uh, mark or something, she's just like, mommy, I need product. And so she goes, <laughs> she puts it on <laughs> puts it on herself too. So product. I like it. It's a multi-purpose use in our household. And I think a lot of other other households, I think they likened it to, um, you know, that Frank's red hot. I put that shit on everything. (laughs) So that's sort of (laughs) what Satya has become for a lot of people moving just even beyond eczema to, you know, psoriasis and rosacea and things, but bug bites and sunburns and, and windburns and just, you know, so many different things. So, it's sort of this cure-all yeah. solve. Uh, I find that, yeah, my husband uses it for everything too. A cut or whatever. He's like, got the sacha. Yeah. And so it's kind of interesting to see like the unintended consequences or like opportunities that it can work for beyond even what you originally conceived of, which is a kind of fun thing too. Yeah. Like, I mean, I use it for, <laughs> what do they call that? the thigh chafe, you know, in the summer when you're working. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. So you are about to uh, hit a number of other countries. Do you have another market uh, in play yet? Or what's, what's the next country for you? Do you think? Well, we're going to really study how Hong Kong plays out and how we need to structure the company to best serve that. We don't want to be just going blah everywhere just yet, although we do have a ton of interest. We're just telling people to kind of be patient with that and, you know, they can, they can order online and we, we sell online all around the world and we could ship. And I, and especially with the pouch now, because shipping is actually quite inexpensive, um, even internationally with the pouch. So we're, we're doing that, the e-commerce still, but as far as moving into other countries, we'll definitely probably go into more countries in the Pacific Rim, but our big market, which we haven't even touched yet, is the U.S. Uh, that's going to be probably our next big, big push. And if you had an ask for listeners who are tuning in from around the world, what would it be? What do you most need? How can we help you? You know what? If you love Satya or you want to try Satya, use the code CEO for 20% off if you want to try it and then tell your friends because honestly the more people that know about it the more people realize that there are other options out there the better the system will become and hopefully you know help you as well awesome well thank you very much patrice for joining us today really appreciate your time and thank you for your leadership and showing us another way of doing business of course thank you so much vicky thank you for listening to the ceo.world podcast If this conversation resonated with you, please share it with a friend and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. If you'd like more information about SHEEO, please visit us at SHEEO.world. That's S-H-E-E-O dot world.